This episode of the TM4 Podcast is brought to you from the people of blank. We currently don't have any sponsors, so if you're interested in becoming one of our beloved sponsors, please email tm4sponsor at gmail.com. I repeat, tm4sponsor at gmail.com for more information. All right, let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the TM4 Podcast. I'm your host for the evening, Rob, joined as usual by my partner, Brian. I'm calling him the co-host because that's how we do it. And tonight is part two of our indictment of ESPN. We're going to jump right into it. Tonight we're going to be addressing what we feel are some of the agendas that they're pushing, force-feeding on the masses, and get into some depth on that as we touch some basic bases on that in the first episode. Without any further ado, I'm going to kick it back to Brian, and we're going to get into business. See, ESPN used to be about objective journalism. In part one, we did tackle that a little bit and say that, you know, they're out there not really reporting on what's going on. They're showing highlights. They're doing Twitter stuff. They, they're not really out here trying to cover sports. So what is it that they're actually doing? So tonight we're going to discuss the agendas because there's a few of them that I see. I don't know which one Rob is going to jump on first, but there's obviously the money agenda. Every station has a money agenda. They do things to get ratings and get views and, and get downloads for their podcast, blah, 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 anything that makes them money. And then there's the other side of the money agenda where, as you guys would know, ESPN has big sports deals with the NBA and a huge one with the NFL to where that some of the content that they cover on ESPN is kind of skewed and kind of, you know, handle differently just because they don't want to upset their money partners. So that's the money agendas. Uh, we will also discuss the race agendas that we see where certain athletes get preferential treatment based on the color of their skin that some people believe or uh, even the idea that the way that they structure the shows are geared towards certain races at certain times of the day just because they assume certain things about certain races. So, Rob, I don't know which one you want to jump on first. Would you want to jump on Money agendas, race agendas. Oh, and I almost forgot the player agendas. There, for some reason, and I'm going to just throw out a name, like LeBron James, for example, or even Tim Tebow, where ESPN decides to champion a certain player and force them down your throat no matter what was going on. It could be in the middle of the off season, and you'll hear nothing about Tim, Tim Tebow doing anything. He's not out there. He's just sitting on his couch. But yet, you turn on ESPN2, you'd hear Skip saying his name nonstop for three hours. I never understood that. But anyway, so yeah, which I'm, one do you want to jump into? We're going, we're going to jump right into what's probably the biggest one, and that's the money agenda, because ultimately, almost all of the other agendas can be rooted. You trace it back, there's a dollar behind it, mm-hmm. especially the player agenda. LeBron, Tebow, these guys get force-fed because they're the cash cows of the people that are lying in the pockets of the people at ESPN. And Disney. It is what it is. So... That's the first thing of it. It's how can you be objective when the very people that you're covering are the people lining your pockets? It's as simple as that. If you think that the NBA or the NFL, or, yeah, the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball, any of major franchises are going to continue to do business, there are plenty of other networks out there that they can do business and growing networks as we go with the rise of the internet and new technology. Broadcast television on a whole is on a decline. So there's no reason to continue doing business. The the leagues are in a position of power. I speak as a mm-hmm. subscriber to MLB to, to the to MLB TV. 
the the prime time at bat the like you know their equivalent of NBA league pass. I had that subscription last year. I didn't watch a was single it? game on regular television. I only used my app because I could watch any game nice. anywhere, any broadcast nice. of my choice. More leagues, and once leagues, <clears throat> if leagues start to move away from the traditional broadcast deals, that strengthens their position for those apps. Because with that type of subscription, I think it was like 140 for the whole year. And I always felt like the baseball is the the best deal of them all because there's so many games. You got 162 right. games times 32 teams. Like, it's almost impossible to watch all the games that you have access to watching, and it's such a beautiful <laughs> thing. And they have uh, – we're not going to get into that, but they keep doing all of that. But what they do have is because of regional broadcast deals, the way the league is structured, like living in New York, I don't get Yankee games or Met games on that app at all for my uh, subscription. That's not Because fair. I can watch – because especially with the Yankees, because, you know, the Yankees have, yes, they have their actual right. own network. And so I don't get those. Those games are blacked out. The same way whatever, like, the ESPN game of the night is on Sunday night, that game won't be available on the app because it's available on ESPN. You can watch that. So that's an advantage that ESPN has in the marketplace. If the leagues move away from that, they have total control. Then as a fan, you can watch every game. I say that to say ESPN has every reason to want to keep these guys happy, to push what they want to be pushed in order to keep that relationship there because they're, the need for them in the relationship is decreasing by the day. So they have so, to do find a, other ways of making themselves valuable because the distribution aspect of it is no longer their stronghold. There once was a time where if you a, really wanted your, your, your sport aired nationally, you had to go to them basically, you know? Right, right. It's not the same as a local syndication deal. It's like it's like the equivalent of a wrestling being going from territorial to getting national TV. There's only but so many players oh, wow. you can go to. So I have yeah. a question about that. Then a, a quick question. I don't want to go too far off topic, but how likely do you think it is that they're going to go over the top and skip out these networks? Because you kind of see it already happening with the Hulu's and the Netflixes when it comes to movies, especially Netflix where they're starting to release major movies directly to Netflix and skipping even theaters. Do you think ESPN is, like, in danger of losing their NBA deal or their ESPN, not ESPN deal, their NBA deal or their NFL deal within, like, the next five years? Serious danger, and here's the craziest part about it. They have no choice but to be the vehicle that drives them out of that business. Because mm. until the day and time that the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball decides to walk away from them and not broadcast their shows on ESPN anymore, they're going to broadcast that. They're also going to broadcast their advertisement because their money spends and their money's long. And you know what those advertisements are? You watch it. Those advertisements are subscribe to MLB.TV apps. For this much, you can get every game, unlimited sports, this, that, and this. They're pushing their own product that's going to make ESPN irrelevant on ESPN. And ESPN has two choices take the money and eat the shit, it's part of my language, or <laughs> initiate pushing them off of that deal. Because if they push back and say, oh, we're not going to air this program, what you're doing is pushing a product that's going to eventually lead to us not being there, MLB TV is going to just say, okay, yeah, you know what, you're right. We don't need you. We'll push everything yeah. through our website, and we'll just do it that way. And we'll broadcast our stuff on all of our local networks that we still have our local deals with. And on the radio, we're going to get our promotion. 
the leagues are bigger than the station. The station ain't bigger than the league, and that's why the station is at the mercy of the league to push the agendas that said league wants pushed. And that's basically every other agenda can be traced back to that. ESPN is at the mercy of you oh, know, that's the investor, so to speak. Of course, because um, so to take it to another level, I'm trying to think. Can you think of a, a time when you saw something on ESPN, a storyline? Because you basically have to call them storylines now, the way that they push them, that you said that they're doing that for the NFL. I know for a fact that Roger Goodell gets accused a lot for pushing certain agendas through ESPN or ESPN protects him from certain criticisms. Is there anything recent or even in the past couple of years that you saw that ESPN was touting heavy, pushing heavy down their viewers, so just in favor of a network? I mean, just in favor of a sport like an NFL or an NBA? Yeah, and you know what? It's going to be funny how I see it. This last year, last two years really, but really, it really kicked up after Deflategate, during Deflategate. It seemed like mm-hmm. ESPN went out of their way to almost slander Roger Goodell. And it was as if they had become hyper and the league had become hyper aware, like, oh, snap, they're on to us. They realize you're not telling the whole story, so to speak. They realize you're putting the PR spin on it to help protect the shield. You know what? Let's give them a bone. Give them a bone. Dog them. Dog them. Let's, 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 let's try to fool them. It's almost, again, to use the wrestling analogy again, it's, a, it's almost like they're working us. It became too obvious that they were working together, so they had to start dogging them to make it look like, oh, yeah, no, we're not working for them. We'll say whatever we want against them. If they're wrong, they're wrong. And and, and, and in a sense, to ESPN, they feel that that reestablishes their credibility because now people see that, and they're like, oh, well, maybe they weren't putting a spin on it before. Maybe that really was the way it was because, you see, now they're calling it how they see it, so maybe we were wrong about that before. And I, I think it's all just a part of just pushing the agenda. You know, sometimes you got to play the heel. Sometimes you got to be the bad guy. Of course. And that, but that's how it, I saw that. I saw that, like, because it was out of nowhere, and all of a sudden every show was almost twist. multiple it's segments of, right. just, of just dogging him. Oh, he's an idiot. Oh, he's incompetent. Oh, he can't do this. Oh, he's working for the Patriots. Like, it was crazy. Like, where was all of this when he was really messing up? And, and that's actually really not – and I'm going to touch on that because that's not even fair because uh, uh, our homie Bill Simmons got fired because of his comments about Goodell calling him an idiot from before that. So I guess he didn't get the green light exactly. and he got fired. But I don't want to beat up on Goodell more, but the the event that really sticks out to me still is the whole Ray Rice situation. He got kind of got like – I don't know what's the term. You want to say like baby handled – he had kid gloves on. Like, the way ESPN handled Roger Goodell looking like a complete idiot throughout that whole thing was actually really amazing to me. You would think that, you know, he did everything he could have in his power. He was just – he was the victim. Like, you thought he was the victim, the way that they were, like, protecting him. I didn't get it. And then, as you said, when they came to that part with the deflate gate and they started flipping on him for that, you're sitting there like, whoa, wait a second. Come on, Goodell's been terrible and messing up like crazy. Y'all been protecting him, protecting him, protecting him. And all of a sudden, now it's, oh, he's the idiot. We need to get him out of office, blah, 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 blah. I think it was a, a kind of little conspiracy like cover up between the two of them. It made sense. It actually made too much sense. Because if you're going to get at him for the flake gate, you should have got at him for the Ray Rice thing. Saying, I needed to see the video to know, blah, blah, blah. 
And, oh, there was a video at my office, but I didn't see it. It just went to my secretary and blah, blah. Like, all of that nonsense, I don't understand why he got away. I don't know if you have any take on that, but I, I still don't get how Goodell was able to, like, got free on ESPN for that. Well, besides that, that's probably the easy answer. You know, it, and it goes back to, like, them dogging him after the fact. I feel like, to an extent, Goodell always got a pass, and this is no disrespect to Roger Goodell. I'm not saying he's stupid, but he almost got a pass. And You, you know, you ever had somebody that just gets excused for doing stuff because they say, oh, he's dumb. Why are you supposed to do dumb things? Like, they kind of gave him a pass, it felt like, on, on that regard. Like, they didn't expect much more of him. Mm-hmm. And so I totally lost my train of thought. Wow. That's that's okay, because we're actually running out of time on that one, that section anyway. So, see, that's how we're going to run this podcast. The race agenda. Now, this isn't something more so that's just, like, maybe me being picky, because sometimes I am picky, and I'm not one of those guys that, like, reads race into everything either, but sometimes things are just so obvious. I feel like there's a certain race agenda going on with the way that they structure the shows and the way they put them in order and the times they come on. Uh, Mike and Mike is their flagship radio show. comes on every morning, 6 o'clock, national coverage. It even gets ESPN2 coverage. And this is why it's in the comparison, because it gets ESPN2 ESPN coverage. They get guests like um, the, guy, oh, the guy from Hootie and the Blowfish. I, I forgot his real name. They get NASCAR. They get white actors. They get even like some small politicians and mayors and blah, blah, blah. Like today they had Peyton Manning's dad on this morning, Archie Manning. And that's the 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock hour. That's the the drive to work. The people who are going to work, they're in their car, they turn on mic and mic, they hear it. And all these guests feel like they're kind of geared towards um, the lighter skin or the, the whiter skin, um, right. like to the people who watch. And then as soon as it gets to 10 o'clock, where you're supposed to be at your job and working hard, it switches to first take, where the intro music is rap music. They only bring on rappers. They only bring on the, the black analysts and the coaches that are black. And and it, it's just like, it's very strange. And I was like, do they do that because they think black people don't work during the day? So we're going to give black programming during the day? Because then right after that, his and hers come on, and that's still during my work day. And as soon as his and hers comes off and you're getting closer towards, you know, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, the show's kind of whiten up again. You get your NFL lives, and then you start getting you're around the horns and stuff, and you're like, wait a second. Why is it that, I don't know, as I said, maybe I'm reading into it. Maybe I'm just assuming that people think black people don't have jobs and that's why they do it. I don't know, but it's too coincidental to me. I don't know if you have any take on that. You know, I never, I never thought about it like that in that greater detail until you mentioned to me <clears throat> earlier today that you were going to bring that up today. But when you said it, it made sense to me because one of my biggest gripes that I've always, that I've had with ESPN, ESPN, ESPN as of late, especially as I've gotten older and I've had jobs and have had things to do with my life other than lay around and watch sports and all day is mm-hmm. the few programs that I do want to watch come on when I'm at work or when I'm out here in the real business or when I'm not able to watch it. And it's frustrating to me, and it's one of those things that makes me feel like, oh, I have no reason to watch it because if I can't even see the shows that I do enjoy watching, oh, well. And so I think there is – I don't – I would like 
there's a part of me that would like to believe that that's not the line of thinking, like, oh, black folks don't got no jobs. But if you really it's look... It's coincidental, man. It's very coincidental. And the thing is that depending on how deep you want to dig, you can find that same type of pattern on other stations, you know, with the right. Maury's and the other type of shows that they air during that time of the day. But you could also say maybe... It's directed towards housewives, those programming, but not so much with ESPN. Like, I don't think they assume that their target demographic is not the woman, the stay-at-home mom, to watch his and hers. Yeah, I'm sure there are some that do it, but that's not the target demographic. So that, there might be something to what you're saying, now that I think about it. Nah, I got to, like, quit my job for, like, a week or two and stay at home and watch ESPN and try to figure this out to actually give, like, a real one. But it just sticks out to me. Like, you never see NASCAR... Our country singers on our first take. That never happens. Ever, ever, ever happens. And not to say that black people don't like NASCAR, our country music, that's primarily towards white culture. So I've always thought about it. And then you rarely have rappers on, on Mike and Mike. Rarely. And if you have a rapper, it's somebody big crossover, and they let him say, like, two things. It might be, like, Flo Rider or something. I don't know. Um, in we, in, we have in like, fairness, though, yeah, my bad. No, no, no. Say, say it real quick. In in fairness to that point, let's give the, the host of the show a degree of creative control and assume Mike and Mike, like Stephen A. Smith and Jamel Hill and Kerry Champion and Michael Smith are likely to know and have relationships with a lot more rappers than Mike and Mike are. So there might be something to, uh, to that level of it too. And just in terms of you want to have people on the show that you can have interesting dialect with, Mikey and Mike aren't the guys to be inter- interviewing Jeezy. You know what I mean? The same way Michael Smith and Jamel Hill probably aren't the people to interview uh, Florida Southern Line or whatever that group is called. Florida Georgia Line, I think, that country group. No disrespect Georgia, to them. Georgia, I don't Georgia, remember their name. Georgia Standard Line or something like that. I, you know great, what I'm talking about. Though. I just can't remember their name. They, they are great. I just can't remember. That's why I feel bad because <laughs> I actually enjoy their music. I just can't remember their They're name. Great. I think it's Florida Georgia Line. But anyway, nonetheless... There's something to be said for that, but let, let's move on. We're all running low on time. We're already almost at the 10-minute oh. mark, I think. Oh, geez. So we were, we actually wanted to touch on the death of Grantland. And the death of Grantland oh. is big because oh, Grantland, <laughs> Grantland was one of the shining things on ESPN that was still there, where there was real journalism. And to also attached to Grantland, even though it's still going on, you have to attach 30 for 30. I haven't watched any new ones post. Um, the Grantland, Bill Simmons, Eric, I don't know if they're still as good. But I'm one of those people who believe that the 30 for 30s really saved a lot of credibility for ESPN at a certain point where they were losing credibility every single day. Then they started dropping 30 for 30s, and you're like, wait a second. They can still put on great journalistic sports material. So what's your take on the death of Grantland? I mean... Barring outside of barring outside of actual deaths of people, you know, in the in the industry, because I don't want to take anything away from that. Obviously, the loss of a life. To me, the death of Grantland is one of the saddest, most tragic things to happen in the last five years, easily. Like there was a t- Grantland was so good, and they were able to do what they did at such a level that there was a time when I wasn't even aware that they were, I guess, a subsidiary of ESPN. I really right. thought they were 100% their own entity. Like, there was a time I did not check ESPN, but I was going to Grantland every day. Every day. Reading the articles, every watching the videos, and it was 
my easily my favorite website. I'm not. I try to distinguish between my favorite and the best, but I think Grantland was pretty close to being both in terms of what I look for for my sports coverage. And it's, it's not only is it terribly unfortunate that it went down, it's terribly unfortunate the way it went down. It deserve it deserved right. a better. If it was going to close and go out of business, it deserved a much better send off than what it got. This is a terrible, terrible situation all around. I, I, I hated it. it didn't, I didn't appreciate it at all. Just. It, it just sounds like there's like a whole bunch of it's cutting off it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like I just I just don't understand it. I really don't. It, it, that, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting angry thinking about it right now, actually. It was the whole Grantland situation is confusing because again, as you said, we thought it was something not attached to ESPN. Because even the stuff they covered, because they were one of the the only sites that was you could consider a major site because Bill Simmons' name was on it, that was covering wrestling. They had the masked man doing, like, real wrestling write-ups. And I'm sitting there like, whoa, this is not ESPN because they don't do that. And they were covering all different angles of sports. And then they were also doing pop culture. So when I found out that it was really linked together, I was like, this is great. They're going to be around forever. But then I thought about it some more, and then you saw how it played out. They were linked together the whole time, and ESPN treated it like a bastard stepchild. And... I was yeah. like, why would you do that? This is clearly a shining light in the darkness of your crap programming that you're having now and your crap material, and yet you treated it like it was nothing. So from the beginning, they didn't put any value on that. And that hurt me even more because that means they really don't put value on on objective journalism at all anymore. Just, they don't put value on original content anymore. Because if they put any sort of value on that and – um, I mean, you're really not supposed to be referring people to other podcasts, but if you ever listen to any Bill Simmons' first podcast when he first started up again on HBO after he left, he kind of jumped into that about how they were trying to sabotage him from the beginning. And I don't get that. If something's making you money, getting his own clicks, creating stuff like 30 for 30s, and you're over here saying, yeah, let's just go push it away so we can get more Skip and get more Stephen A out here, I, I don't get that. It blows my mind. And they were working for like yeah. but it sounds like. <laughs> you know, I have a, I have a theory on that. And I, it's weird because I keep making wrestling comparisons on this podcast tonight, but it makes a lot of sense. I was thinking about this. And if you remember on the last podcast on part one of this, I mentioned that one of ESPN's biggest problems is they stopped allowing people to become stars and went right. into the business of trying to create stars. But, and here's where the parallel draws to the WWE. ESPN wants to create stars, right. but they only want those stars. They don't want those stars to shine beyond a certain point. And so, again, it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. To make another extreme analogy, it's like the new girl in the strip club. The other, no matter how good she is, no matter how much she's bringing more dudes to the club and is helping everybody in the club, they're gonna. The other girls that been in that club are gonna try to sabotage her because that's their club. Her being there shines a light on all of their shortcomings. But as good as Grantland was, and as much as it was a shining light in what was really a, like a dark period for ESPN, it also shined that very same light on the dark period at ESPN. Because it, like I said, I wasn't I wasn't checking for ESPN because I didn't need to because I was just messing with Grantland. Yeah, Grantland. Right. And that's that old, like, Vince McMahon technique, as I was saying. 
where if a star was rising up and he didn't want him to rise up to be a star without making them a star, you, you know, exactly. he'd throw the book at them and, you know, and that's what they did with Grantland, which is crazy. Because it wasn't it was their amazing. creation. They, but it wasn't their Grantland creation. gave us, they, they should have at least be thankful that Grantland gave us Jalen Rose. Because Jalen Rose was floating around on ESPN and he was floating around on other networks and he wasn't really doing much. Until Bill got him and threw him on the Grantland and gave him focus, and now they put Jalen on everything, except for first yeah, he, take because he, he don't play that nonsense. But that's he, that's a whole other story. I <laughs> feel like Skip might have a restraining order on him, but I always thought the rumors. <laughs> well, somebody has to call people off for their BS. But just him as an example of that came out of Grantland, like he was not saying he was nothing before that, but he wasn't who he is now. Now people still line up and go to his YouTube and try to just watch his story times. Because Grantland made it interesting to have Jalen Rose just tell stories. You know, so I I, I don't get it. But, again, this is why ESPN was put on trial. It's just a lot of decisions that they've been making that we don't understand, we don't get, the things that they try to push on us. I haven't seen anything new that didn't come from Grantland on ESPN that I actually enjoy and say, you know what, that's going to be a new series. That's going to be great. No, this writer, this writer is going to be amazing. This new page on ESPN.com, you, you know how hard it is to find a real article on ESPN.com is nowadays? Like, to, meaning an article that has depth and it does analysis and even gives you some opinion. Probably on the insider side, but I don't pay for insider anymore. So maybe I'm I'm completely wrong. So if it's on insider, forgive me. But everything else you find on the site is just surface. I don't know if you scroll through the site yourself, but everything is just like lists, quick takes, blah blah blah. Like there's nothing. There's no long form writing right. and clips, right? It, it's but, crazy. Like you know, you're going talk. No, no. I was just gonna say you said it's probably on the inside of the side, and if it is, that just shows how out of touch they are. Because it's crazy that they are trying to force people to pay for quality journalism. And why would I, I find pay, it. expect them to find quality if what you're giving me for free is garbage? Why, why would I pay? It's, it's, they want to become a full, like, video media network. That's it. They don't want to do any type of writing. Because you, you'll scroll through their site and try to click the link thinking you get an article, and then these little mini videos pop up on top of them and talk to you. And I'm like, oh, what is this? And it's like a little 15-second clip. And that was the whole article. I don't want to hear that. So I don't I don't know. I don't think ESPN is ever going to come back to what it was. And the death of Grantland kind of shows me that they're not going to get back to what it was because, again, that shows that they're not into any of that. They don't want talent. It, it's funny, and I don't like to draw any, like, more wrestling in comparisons to it, but we see that in wrestling, and you see that in the WWE where great wrestlers – that could come in from different companies could come in and they'll sit there and nothing gets done with them. And you're just sitting there like, wow, they just don't want to be great as a a promotion anymore. Cause look at it. They just have these guys sitting around and then they get rid of them. I, I don't know. Yep. Maybe ESPN doesn't like money. Maybe that's it. They don't like money. Uh, maybe no. they like money so much. It's, you know, it's like the letting it, letting a player go before you have to lose them. You know what I mean? Before you have to cash out. We're going to get as much out of you as we can, but we're not going to cut you that big check. Keith Oberman, Patrick, you know what I mean? I was going to say, I was going to list the name of a few people that left, like, you know, Rick Eisen and 
especially Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick leaving was actually a much bigger deal than people even made it out to be. Because, again, he was actually the real face of ESPN. Everybody knows right. Dan Patrick for ESPN. Down to, down to my mother who doesn't even watch ESPN. When she sees Dan Patrick, she said, oh, the ESPN guy. Still. Right. And he hasn't been on ESPN in how many years? And oh, they just see these people just leave. They just leave. They can't they can stay around there. Oh, we got and they leave and they left. thrive. And they leave and they thrive. And the bad ones leave, flop, and come back. Word to Michelle Beadle. How about that? Flop uh, and game back. Word to Young Dro. <laughs> F that <laughs> I had to sneak that one in, but it's true. Okay, we have 30 <laughs> seconds left. Um, next episode, we wanted to cover the solutions, but we may cover some more of the, the death of ESPN. We'll see. If we have more to talk about, we'll do it. But if not, we're going to talk about the solutions, the new sites that you can check out, the podcasts that you can listen to, the people you, you can find on Twitter, on Facebook doing great writings, and even some of our own stuff because – we're great. I think we're amazing. So tune in next time. See you then. Thank you for listening to the 30-minute musings of a madman, a.k.a. TM4 podcast, which is a part of the Jaded Writers Club family of podcasts. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share us with friends, family, and your social timelines. Also, if you want to donate to this podcast so you can see it grow beyond audio, check out GoFundMe.com slash TM4Funds for details. That was GoFundMe.com slash TM4Funds, F-U-N-D-S, for details.